Hi, it's Paul. Hi, it's Damo. And it's time for the PD Sports Podcast. With Damo and Paul. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 37 of the PD Sports Podcast. Once again, another big weekend and start of the week in sport, and I'm joined by Damo. How are you going, mate? Not bad, mate. Not bad at all. Got to love this time of year. You know, we're just talking about one match day in this episode, and then next match day is tomorrow. I can't wait, man. So much sport comes around Christmas. It's so good. Yeah, exactly right. It's the, the season of sport, practically, at this point, and... The Premier League heats up, you know, December, you know, we're, we're recording on the 30th, you know, December is around the corner, so we're very, very close to that Christmas and Boxing Day period of Premier League action, but we've got heaps on the agenda, and I think probably the best part would be just to start with last week's action, Liverpool back to firing ways again, um, very, very positive to see, honestly, um, so good. no one's really talking about us at the moment, eh? No one is. It's because we've obviously... It's not like we've been amazing and we are playing amazing. It's because we're, we're the team that's a few points off. It looks like all the heat's on Chelsea and then on City and then we're just there. Yeah. But we are really just going about our business really well. I'm really happy being in that spot too. Um, and I think it's because we're doing so well in the Champions League, yet everyone's perceiving us to not be doing as well in the league, but we are. I don't know why that, that is the case. Is it because we've lost the game? I, I don't know. You know, I don't know why we're not being talked about more. It's got that feeling that we're not. Now, yeah. maybe in the UK we're getting talked about a ton, but it's not being translated over here. And usually we get a very good grasp of what's being talked about because, you know, Sky Sport videos and all that come across the channel. Um, yeah. And it feels like it's been pretty quiet about Liverpool and more about Pep and more about Tuchel and more about Chelsea and more about City. Yeah, I just think there's been some bigger storylines um, and we've kind of gone under the radar. That's sort of how it feels. Like, we haven't had a... Other than like the West Ham game, which to be fair, I mean, they're playing really, really well. So to lose them away isn't the end of the world. But other than that, we haven't really had a performance that's forced us into the into the headlines really, isn't it? It's sort of, we've sort of just gone about our business. We've done well. Yeah, we dropped the odd point here and there, but that's going to happen because that's what football is about. But we haven't had one of those embarrassing losses where it's, you know, everyone's talking about us. So look, I've... After, what, half an hour or so, we looked pretty comfortable against Southampton. Oh, total um, domination from minute one in that game. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Can we just yeah, speak it was about... Never in doubt. Oh, can we speak about the former Thiago at the minute? Yeah, he looks unbelievable, doesn't he's he? He just... finally looks like he's up the speed to the Premier League. And like I know his goal was deflected, but it's more how he picks up the ball and then the rollover is just like, it's next yeah, class. Yeah, he's unbelievable. It's... Didn't Champions League as well. Yeah. Like a goal uh, it was against Porto. How he, he hits, hits it. that. Oh. That volley, man. And, and I thought it about, like, skimmed it. I had to watch it three times to realise that the ball just naturally lifted off off of his boot and then went up a bit higher and then into the side netting. It was just... That's how he cuts across it. It's so, he's yeah. so unreal. Technically gifted is what he is. And that yeah. word gets thrown around a lot. But he is technically gifted. And uh, if we can just get him fit and firing and just not playing every game because he is the other side of 30 now, so we can't expect him to, to play every game. But pick and choose when he when we need him to unlock teams. And I think even if he plays half an hour here and there off the bench, you know, like he gives you that quality and you know, you never know what could happen with someone of his quality on the pitch. He's always going to get the front three engaged. And I think that's what we've lacked in the past is, you know, Genie was a very, very good box-to-box midfielder. But... 
Thiago has just got that class and that end product that 100%. I've not seen in a central midfielder at Liverpool probably ever, to be honest. Yeah, like he is pretty, pretty good when it comes to picking the lock. And it's kind of like having a 10 that can play deeper as an 8 and will can sit in the 6. He can do it all free because he's so technically good. Um, and it's more the fact that I think he understands that with his age, he's not going to run out 90 minutes every game. And I think he knows yeah. that at Liverpool that it's a good spot to be in. Rotation's good. Squad moulds around him. He moulds into the squad very well. And it just allows Thiago just to be himself when he's fit. Um, I do think he's in our best midfield three. There's a lot of midfield yeah. threes you could say for Liverpool that are the best combination. But I feel like I've in games... I've got one in mind. Yeah, but... Uh, I feel like in games Mine's of creativity... Mine's Fabinho, Henderson, and Thiago. That's I my think, best three. I think that's the three I would love to rock into most big games. And yeah. I feel like the midfield, when we're playing against smaller teams, needs him to pick the lock. And I feel like in those bigger games, he provides the quality to obviously pick the lock and allow Henderson and Fabinho to be that touch more withdrawn. Um, yeah. But I do think in those bigger games, Klopp will go to the Fabinho, Henderson, and then another runner on the other side, so Naby Keita more than um, Thiago, but know that Thiago 30 minutes from time and a tight game comes on, picks the lock, yep. is perfect to bring in too. And that's why I think our squad's so good. And, you know, we haven't really talked too much about Liverpool in the pods with the United stuff going on. And, you know, we talked to him about Chelsea last pod as well with Arsenal. the questions we had, Arsenal. Um, that we haven't really had much, you know, we haven't done taken stock of Liverpool season really too much. Um, and I just think like the squad's in a naturally really good place. You mix Harvey Elliott back into that mix when he comes yeah. back in. Curtis. Um, yeah, Curtis as well was not getting a look, which kind of shows how good we are at the minute. So, look, I, I just feel like we're in a very good spot. The goals are flowing. The only thing I think that can upset us is African Cup of Nations and with the yeah. Bobby injury, and we don't know when he's coming back. But then you look at Yotta and just go, oh, my God, how is this guy not even getting to And even Divock and team? Minamino, to be oh, fair. They've mm. come in and done jobs in games like... They've scored, both scored goals lately, so we'll probably rely on them a little bit more in January. Say, Hopefully the fixtures yeah, sort of aren't too, too bad. I don't think they I are. Think our fixtures, I think our fixtures swing turns pretty good around now because I'm looking at yeah. like the... I have three Liverpool players in my fantasy EPL and it turns good, and especially for Yota because the injury to Bobby... Um, and then you don't need um, to get him in. yeah, I've got I had him in since uh, last week, so I got these points this week. Um, but with uh, going back to Takumi, um, you know Minamino is a guy that reminds you of just like you signed a Brazilian wonder kid on Football Manager. And he's just taken six to nine months to get used to the league, and then he kicks on. I'm not saying that he wasn't used to the league or anything, but it seems like he started to really understand what we're trying to do here at Liverpool. And he's a very shy boy, and he looks like he's slowly just integrated himself into the squad. It's just taken time. He now looks like this season a guy that kind of understands what's going on, and he's a bit more up to speed. Where yeah, He probably needed the loan, yeah. you know, because he actually did quite well at Southampton second just half of last confidence. year too. So, yeah, yeah. I think and he's I, just found his feet, and he's looked... Like, even that game against Palace towards the end of last year, he looked really, really good, and I think that was... Um, a point for him oh, that was just before he went out on loan it was in sort of January I reckon yeah. or December last year but that was a game for me where I looked down and I go that's the, the Takumi we saw playing for Salzburg in Champions League so yeah. I think being told alright you know you got a month you know you're going to get a good run of games here 
show me why you deserve to be pushing for spots. And he's one of those guys that can play left, right, or through the middle. So and, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's sort of guy Klopp likes because of that. Because you saw an interview with Yotta, and Klopp says that you know Yotta can play the ten, and he can play anywhere across the three, and that's why we love him. And you know, he went on to say all those sort of nice things about Yotta. And I think Takumi's the same sort of plan why Klopp targeted him. And I do think there's a footballer there, and he's seen. More than probably what Divock has shown this year, you've seen Takumi use that touch more and he kind of fits the mould when he's good. And I think that's what I like about this squad. And, you know, I was asked the question in the podcast at the start of the year, do we need to sign anyone? I said not really because the signings have all been the guys coming back from injury. And you can see with the squad that Klopp has a clear goal and plan in mind and it's working at the minute. Um, and I really think Takumi is definitely a bigger part of this squad and why Shakiri has left is, you know, Takumi can definitely do that. Obviously, the only worry is that we drop another injury and Divock becomes main man um, in yeah. the nine. And, you know, that, the question will always be at Liverpool, do you have a better nine or can you bring in a better backup nine? But, I mean, um, not many clubs can cover three, though. Yeah, exactly. Has, you know what I mean? Look at Man City. Yeah. They don't actually have a nine at the minute. So, and they're doing all right. So, yeah, look, I just feel like Liverpool's squad, if we take stop, take of it, is in a good spot. They're playing unreal football, controlling games, and the former Thiago would have a lot of teams scared. And uh, yeah. if we could pe- keep performing like that, Paul, we'll be around the mark in every competition, not just the Premier. I think with Thiago as well, it shows how vital it is to have Fabinho back at the base because last year we didn't get to see this from Thiago because he was playing deeper. So I think that's a huge factor in, in why he's able to be a bit more expansive and a bit more creative is because you've got that that standalone six behind, you know, being able to just do the dogged work so Thiago doesn't have to do it. Yep. Everyone was questioning him last year. Is he a flop? Well, no, because we said it quite regularly that he's being played out of position just to try to, you know, fit needs. And then we noticed that when Fabinho did go back into midfield last year, we did start seeing glimpses of it. And now we're really seeing the full picture of what, you know, really we saw at Bayern Munich um, in that team where he was pulling the strings and getting him into Champions League finals. So it's nice to see that he's been able to to recreate that form that you know, we signed him for. I, I agree. And uh, Fabinho is our most important player. I don't know. I know a lot oh, of people yeah. may say that it, it could be Van Dyke, It could be Allison, And, you know, people may say, well, take away Salah's goals. But I'm like, without Fabinho, the system falls apart. Look when he played centre-back for us last season. Look when he didn't even exactly. play. All right. Let's move straight into the other big game of the weekend, which is Chelsea and United. I never would have thought that United would have got a result here if you told me this time last week. But I was impressed that United rocked up with a way of playing. I was too. And it's funny. It's funny that it takes Oli to get sacked for them to not play 4-2-3-1 and to have a shape. And what I found interesting was that Sancho was actually being used through the middle. Yeah. Which I thought, but playing direct, playing on the break... I know he scored the goal and he did take it well and obviously Jorginho's made a big mistake there. But, you know, if you're going to play Rashford and Sancho through the middle and be direct, then you're going to look really, really dangerous. So I was impressed. I kind of feel for Carrick because he's done a really good job there to get a point away from home and then now he's not the manager anymore. So, you know, well done Michael Carrick for stepping in for two games. I got it completely wrong. I was under the impression that he was going to be there for the whole season. But yeah, I was trying to say we'll talk about the replacement. I was trying to say last pod that I thought that was going to be a different interim and then you convinced me that he's there for the receivable season. I was like, oh, yeah, okay. That's what I'd heard. Um, yeah. But um, apparently the report is, is that Ragnick set the team up 
like that okay. whole character set it up like that because obviously the news was that he's going to be there as of I think yesterday officially signed right but he's going to be in charge and everyone knew that pre-game and apparently there's there's photos I don't know if they've been photoshopped or not if Carrick having earphones in and whatever as well uh, probably but not I don't think that was in game hard to believe um, I think that was pre-game yeah. now Carrick could be listening to music or whatever I'm not here to conspiracy you know to be a conspiracy that Ragnar was on the phone and telling him what to write down in the tr- tunnel or anything but I do think that there was influence from Ragnik that he wants yeah, cool. to play this you know low block pressing system that you kind of saw because it was interesting because United set up in a way that he had they had really mobile strikers that can hit him on the break but can also press because they've got a bit of an engine like obviously Sanchez got yeah. an engine so does Rashford um, and it was interesting to watch and I feel like Ragnik being the quiet he's a very smart man right um, you know people may not know who he is but this is a guy that's you know he's been in football for a long time a director of football you know this guy knows right he's part of the generation that Gergen Preston generation um, and uh, he's going to be a very good signing for United but it was interesting because he, they set up in a way that I expect Ragnick to set up in the bigger games and I expect him to set up in a bit more of a gun-ho hyper-pressing way um, very similar to like what Klopp games are meant to win yeah uh, very similar to what Klopp did first year where it was just heavy metal football um, yeah. sort of pressing system where it's just wherever the ball is you go press um, and so if United are going to do that does that mean that Ronaldo in the bigger games you see out because he's not really that type of player at 37, 6 probably yeah yeah we spoke about that last week yeah. like, you're not buying Ronaldo to come in and press and put pressure on defences He's a really good option to have. Like we said with Thiago in the big games, do you then bring him on if things aren't going well? I think that's probably where he's going to lie. He's going to win you points against your Burnleys and your Newcastles and all those teams that you should expect to beat that are going to set up deep. Maybe that's where Ronaldo sees his niche moving forward. But, you know, don't be surprised if you see Man City's, Liverpool's, Chelsea's come around in the fixtures and Ronaldo in the squad but not in the starting 11 I see I actually think he's more dangerous coming off the bench in those bigger games because if they can keep it in this low block pressing system tight or you know one all or they nab the lead imagine them bringing Ronaldo on with 25 minutes to go like and like the guy's got to give you 25 minutes because he's still he's insanely fit for a 37 year old he's insanely fit for a footballer in general but age does catch up to you and he's not if the guy. If you can have him on the on the last line, yeah. looking to play direct on the break as well, he will be dangerous with yeah. a tiring defense. If he gets exactly. to run for half an hour, but him yeah. starting and then leading a press for ninety nah. minutes, he can't do it. Not at his age. Like age and does you've seen catch his up body to him. language. Yeah, his body language doesn't show it either. He doesn't really. He's not like that. He's never been effort. like that though. He's never been that pressing yeah, forward exactly. right and that's where the modern day game kind of goes and Ragnik is going to have a pressing system I can nearly guarantee you that and especially from what we saw against Chelsea and the fact that he apparently has had some input is what's been reported that um, you know that yeah look this low block system isn't going to be the way forward for United but I think in the bigger games it's a template and you, that means Ronaldo misses out and look Ronaldo's body yeah. language was not great that he did not start Right, he, he did. He, no. he, there's, there's reports that he's not happy, but at the same stage, I'm like, he's probably got to realize that he's come to a point in his career where he's not the going to be the main man anymore, right? Yeah, you know, I think Zlatan, it'd be hard though when you've been such a 
top yeah. dog for so long, you probably don't want to believe that you're not, you know what I mean, moving forward. Yeah. But maybe it's an opportunity for him. Like, I thought this signing would be more along the development lines for the rest of the team rather than him come in and be the superstar. And maybe he doesn't see it that way. But I think, you know, if, if he can bring positivity to Greenwood and Rashford and Sancho and, and guide them, then I think that's more valuable I than him so having too. to come in and do everything. I think so too, but I think he thought when he was coming in under Ollie, he was coming in to be the main man. And yeah. I feel Who like under, promise? Yeah, I, I think under Ragnick, he's not going to be the main man because Ragnick's going to come in and try and build something because he's then moving into, I think, I don't think it's the director of football, but he's going yeah, he on to the board for United or is he going into the director think, of football? I think it was director of football. Yeah, and then in that case, then Ragnick's going to build something that he's going to want to implement and input and then get a coach that understands his philosophy of what he's trying to build, which yeah. will be interesting because then Zidane doesn't particularly play a pressing system either, I don't think. Nah, apparently Zidane's wife doesn't want to live in Manchester either. Here we go. Here, all the excuses. I, I wouldn't still. Yeah. I still wouldn't. Uh, I still wouldn't write Zidane off this job until someone actually steps in full time at United. By the way, yeah. a lot of what's said yeah, about Zidane never true, and then he just takes the job. But um, that's what he wants. yeah, he does. Um, but uh, you know, if that's going to be Ragnik's style of this like pressing system, then. Um, Ronaldo doesn't fit, and I do still think the Ronaldo signing was based on the fact that he was going to go to Manchester City. I really do. But what I'm trying to say is that does that mean Sancho, Rashford, Greenwoods are all going to get a look in ahead of him? Yes. Is that going to make him upset? Yes. Is that a problem for Manchester United? Yes. Yeah, I just think... I don't know. Do they really need him? That was the thing. And I don't think they did. Like We've spoken about how much they needed a CDM as well. And I feel like that's the bigger priority. Like, if they had that in the summer rather than signing Ronaldo and Sancho, they'd probably be in a better place. I think so too. Uh, I think Oli still has a job. Ronaldo hasn't really delivered. I mean, he's had some big Champions League moments. Maybe that's where he becomes a specialist for the team. They've still got Cavani, who... Does a job too. Does the job when he's in the squad. Doesn't probably play as much as... He probably should um, as well. So I feel like they've got enough options there. Like, it was just... A bit of a panic, as you said before. Did they worry about Man City getting him? Probably. Yeah, they probably did. And like, look, Settle and Beal, he's at United. Cristiano Ronaldo, as hard as it's got to be for him, because he's one of the best footballers that have ever played and ever lived, right? He's got to look at a career like Zlatan Ibrahimovic and realise Zlatan, towards the back end of his career, started to slow down. And now, look, he's playing in a bit of a slower league, Zlatan, so he probably starts a few more games. But Zlatan still gets rested. Yeah. So, you know, and Ronaldo... I like and has the same similar body type as Latin in terms of that they're physically fit. You know, I'm not saying that they're, oh my God, they're so quick and they're so powerful and they're the same player. I'm not saying that. But Zlatan's body Thank naturally heals and he's naturally fit and he can play for like ever and ever, ever you feel Zlatan. But Zlatan still takes rest and he understands his role in the team. And, you know, he knows that he's the main man when he's on the field, but he knows that he's not sometimes the main man to start a game or to begin a game. He's still that big personality though because it's Zlatan. And I feel like Ronaldo needs to kind of start going, well, that's the way I've got to go. Same with Messi. Messi's starting to get found out a little bit in France because he's starting to catch up in that age and that's unfortunately yeah. the generation now is that Ronaldo and Messi have had their time I'm not saying they're going to be washed up and I'm not saying they're not going to do amazing things in football they still will right but it's we're going to get to a stage and it's going to be sooner rather than later that age will catch up to these boys and it will start yeah. you know they'll start being managed and they, you know they'll start realizing they're not the main men anymore because there's yeah, directions they and they've got to accept it and I'm like you know it's going to happen and you know that yeah. the, the Ballon d'Or that's just gone maybe Messi's last Ballon d'Or 
because I don't think because oh, I don't is. think he's winning the next one based on what we've seen so far unless he has an unreal second half of the year and then what you're going to tell Messi after another year at PSG he's going to go who struggled the main this man, year anyway yeah. so I don't, yeah, I don't we'll get to Messi after yeah we'll, it'll be one to talk about with Messi a bit later but um yeah look I feel yeah, like we shift over to the blue side of Manchester yeah let's do um, it Good result in shocker conditions as well, yep. um, which is impressive. Would have been nice if uh, Gabby Jesus wanted to turn up for me. That would have been nice. I've had two weeks in a row now where he's... I think he's, uh, he's a very good fantasy pick, though, Paul. Yeah, I'll, he won't be going, but I've, I've been burnt. I had, you know, in those same shocking conditions, I had the Reese as my goalkeeper and oh, Ben Fosh was back up. It was an yeah. absolute I've, shambles I've of a burnt. week for me. I was on 60 points and I lost my head-to-head and my paid head-to-league head. He got 65 and on my bench, I had Livermento and someone got two points yeah, for me. Him M- and Douglas Louise M- come yeah, on, both got zero. Embremo M- M- got two for me, right? And my two players left to play being five points behind was Regulin and Harry Kane. Yeah, so... Yeah, and, I've, and you just can't predict that no, either. You can't. You can't. Look, I've seen people in like all my FPL like drafts and saying, that, oh, you got to predict the weather two weeks in advance and all that. I'm like, no, man. That's the first game cancelled in snow since 2010. Because of snow. Yeah, exactly. So, like, if that's happening once yeah. every 11 years, if that happened to you on fantasy, like it happened to me and it happened to Paul, um, mine, I think, is a bit more annoying because I had a really good game week with two of my main men to go. Um, yeah, I had a real bad one and needed, needed a clean needed sheet. Needed a clean and, sheet and points. And yeah. unfortunately for both of us, and unfortunately for a lot of people out there in FM, especially uh, FM, FPL, especially Kane owners, it kind of was a kick in the teeth because you got Kane in for this run of fixtures. He blanked last week. Burnley was meant to be the week where he's meant to score and then he's got Norwich and, well, and Brentford. Bernard Ronaldo, yeah. so if that makes you feel better. Yeah, it, it, it is, <laughs> it is what out. it is. And um, it's the first time we've seen a game caught off the snow in a long time since, you know. Yeah, it looked dreadful it, though, it eh? It did. And then you saw the Man City game go ahead and it was really, really bad there too. And I thought that one could have got called off too. Yeah. Um, but interesting but, game. I mean, for City, City, man, they're just... Next level. They just find ways... You know, I've got a lot of respect for Man oh, City too. because they just find ways to get stuff done. You know what it is, Paul? Rain, hail, snow, shine. They are well, the best team in the Prem when they play. When they absolutely go out there and play. And they can play in any condition, any stadium. Yeah, it's a fair point. Which is like, and they're incredible to watch. And to be quite fair, if Lanzini doesn't hit that wonder strike of a goal, did West Ham look like scoring in that game? Yeah, probably not. No, to- it's City just know how to, to- dominate Total games, domination. Man. You know what it is? It's a bit different when you watch City go about it than what, when Liverpool go about it. Liverpool go about it and go at you, they'll score four or five. When City go at you, it's slightly different. They get the 2-0 and go, well, if we just kick the ball, we win here, and then they'll just knock it around and you won't touch it. And what do you do? Yeah. And then and they just control games yeah. so well. That's the thing. Like It's just unbelievable. It's really it, good to watch. It's just like, crazily good to watch. That's when City smack yeah. sides is like they can keep the ball that well and you can't touch it. And the side goes well. At some point we've got to go out there and actually try to win the ball back because we need two goals. And then City snap three more yeah, passes and they just kick you off. Where Liverpool just go out your throat and won't let you off the throat and they'll score four or five like that in half an hour and it's game over. Then nothing happens. Um, and Chelsea's like the middleman of all that and they're probably their squad's the best though and that's why they're top. It's going to be a really good title race is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I have to agree and. I think City, it's, it's valuable points. It keeps West Ham at bay as well. It did us a favour. did a lot um, of people a favour. That's where it helps us, I guess, more so. Um, so more than happy with that moving forward. I am too. Do you rate football in the snow now that you've seen it, Paul? Uh, look, if the, as long as the, the ball's rolling, I think <laughs> that's the main yeah, factor. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's like, why Spurs and um, 
the Spurs and uh, oh my god, Burnley game got called off because the ball wouldn't move. Yeah, and that's fair enough. Like if the ball doesn't roll, then the Watford <laughs> yeah. game, the Watford game nearly should have been called off because I think Dennis scores a goal and the ball kind of like stops and stops and yeah, and then he's bowed yeah. his man before he scored. And I'm like, well, that's all been caused because the ball just hasn't moved naturally. Oh, look, yeah. I'm a fan of seeing it as a once-off, but if those were the conditions week in, week out, you've got to do then something in terms of how you go about managing it with the snow, and hopefully we don't have too much of an impact this season. And look, we wouldn't normally talk about this, but the fact the game got called off, we got to talk about the snow. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, uh, do you see um, the dude that was from America? Yeah, that travelled all the way to Tottenham Spurs. Game? Oh, my God, poor yeah. boy. Apparently Harry... So then Harry... Yeah. Yeah, Harry Kane's giving him um, free tickets for the home game in the executive box. Yeah, which is nice like of Harry class. Kane. I think that's very good class and shows that he still cares about the club. But could you imagine being a fan that's travelled all that way to cop that? First yeah. game since I mean, it's a lifetime story. Yeah, it is. And, yeah. like, credit the fan, credit Harry Kane, and hopefully it doesn't impact any further travels for the fan. But um, look, <laughs> there we are. There's also one other point I want to bring up about the Christmas period. Um, well, not the Christmas period, but games leading up the Christmas period. Aston Villapool yeah. under our boy Stephen Gerrard. Too early to tell, or has he turned the ship there completely? Nah, man, they look good. They've, they, they look really good. You know what it is? A duck has taken to water there. He's come in with his Rangers yeah. system. It fits the squad so perfectly and just bang. I will say Palace yeah. are horrid from set pieces, and it's like their 11th set piece they've conceded this season. And they don't really concede from open play anywhere else. But um, they, Aston Villa still look like they're going to, you know, score two, three, or four from open play anyhow. Yeah. Um, and I think you're right. They've got the players. That's the thing. Like, they've just got Fullbacks that, can that go. 4 3 3 shape. Fullbacks that can go. Yeah. Midfield is solid. They're probably lacking maybe one central midfielder, unless sort of Buendia can maybe go into that role. But yeah. Aston Villa is definitely a team to look out for moving forward. I think it's um, a great bit of business for, the, for Villa to get him in because it fits so well. And when there's so many games in a short period of time, he can really catch up now. You know, if they are going to play well and if they're going to kick on, then you can close that gap very, very quickly with these sort of six games in the next four weeks. I still think it's too early to say, oh my God, Gerald's going to be, you know, doing Moyes sort of efforts. But I but think that it's great. Bit, yeah, it's a great bit of business, and the fact that he's come in and got a couple of wins off the bounce is really good. It's like the same with Dean Smith at Norwich; he's come in and they haven't lost yet. So, you know, yeah, um, win-win for everyone except for David Farkle. Yeah, pretty much. Who's now sitting on a beach somewhere enjoying <laughs> a, a beer and uh, probably messaging well, Klopp every it. so every twenty minutes about football. But there you are. Yeah. All right. Beautiful. I do have a question for you, though, right. Paul. Outside of uh, Premier League oh, yeah. games, but to do with the Christmas period. Most other leagues, most other leagues, right? They have a break over this period. It's like the twenty fourth until like the like the fifth or the seventh of Jan, right? Usually take off like yep. Christmas Eve and the Christmas Boxing Day, New Year's period, right? Premier League it all ramps up. Do you like having the Premier League having a, not having winter break, or should the Premier League follow suit like with Germany or Italy and have a winter break? As a viewer, it's nice that there's games galore because that's, why that's what we want to see. But for the players. They, they deserve a break. Like, this is why so many teams get so many injuries. Every year, managers complain that their squads are run thin. There's African Cup of Nations. There's so much happening that there should be a break. Like, they should be aligned with the rest of Europe. And I, I wouldn't be opposed. I'd be annoyed for a month that there's not much to watch. You'd have to, you know, resort to watching and talking about the A-League for a while. But, 
you know, I think for the players' safety, they deserve a break. They don't get an, they don't get a rest. No, like they don't. Then they're going straight into another season. Then they're going into World Cup qualifiers. Then they're going into the World Cup this time next year. And the travel's huge. You know what I mean? Like it's there's just so many games that people are playing that they're going to break down. Yeah, I agree with that assessment. Like the Premier League plays these games because they know they get so much TV revenue from like the December period. It is ridiculous. Yeah. So many games, short space of time, short turnover. All eyes are in England because all the other leagues kind of stop. And like I like it from that point of view. And I feel like if you're a Premier League player, you know that comes every year, right? And you should be accustomed to it. Not saying that it's going to make you fitter or whatever. I'm just saying you've got to be accustomed to knowing that you're not going to feel 100% through this period. But the fact that the league asks players to not be 100% during this period, like the Boxing Day 28th, then the 31st fixture swing is like, Ridiculous because you play on Boxing Day, everyone plays Boxing Day, and then everyone plays twenty seven for twenty eight. It's like a one to two day turnover, you know. Yeah, and that that so as a professional athlete at that level, then what recovery have you really gotten? That I wouldn't be opposed to it. Do I think the Premier League would ever do it? No, because I would lose out on too much money. And to be quite fair, if we're a viewer, you love it. You love this period of uh, Premier League football. Yeah. You really do. So uh, it's a tough one. It's a question that where do you put? You know, where, which, which corner do you sit? you sit in the corner with the players and the coaches or do you sit as a viewer and as a pundit or as a uh, as someone that creates content like ourselves, like podcasts, and go, well, actually, this is really great? Yeah, so let us know um, through the Discord what you guys think of the uh, winter break potential. It's probably the best way to put it. The potential winter break. Um, you know, I think we're both sort of off the camp that I think the player safety is probably the, the priority. Um, without the players, we don't have Games. content to talk about exactly. or we don't have the product that we've got. So maybe let's back up and give them some time with their families as well. You know, we all appreciate having time off over Christmas and New Year. Maybe, you know, we've got to start treating these guys like everyday humans too. Exactly. Um, it's one of those ones where you, you see so many podcasts um, online. That, you know, I, I spend a lot of time listening to uh, former professionals um, on different podcasts and they talk about how... Um, nice it is to you know have a Christmas at home and not in a hotel room or you know first time in 20 years I've been able to actually enjoy Christmas lunch rather than not be thinking about the game the next day yeah not being so, able to absolutely munger on Christmas day yeah yeah. or even just be able to be with the family because they normally have to go like they'll have a training session in the morning then they'll have a thing at the club and then they'll go home for like Christmas afternoon not even lunch and then they're in a hotel room that night so that they're ready for the game the next day yeah they don't get to enjoy the experience until they retire yeah I kind of feel for their kids man like for those older players you know their kids might go five, six, seven, eight, nine years without a Christmas and not really experience it properly yeah you know what I mean like it's just pretty shitty yeah I I look it's a tough question that and you know do I think any change will ever happen no but I do see a way that you know there's a case to be made that there should be a break for the Premier League like the other clubs yeah, anyway. All right, I reckon uh, let's move on to some of the questions. We've got a couple in today which will sort of extend us a little bit. So, Dim asks, would you rather have Ranić as manager or as director of football um, and to list the pros and cons? I think the way they're going about it is probably the way to do it. He comes in, says, I'm going to be here for the long haul. This is how I want us to play. We're going to do it for eight months and then I'm going to watch it and unfold from the, the boardroom and from 
the training pitch and be involved. I think th- this method is, a smart is method. probably the way to do it's it. It's a very smart yeah. method. I feel like the way he's gone about it, I feel like Dim's asking, would you rather have him as a manager or a director of football? Because his natural role is a director of football, you'd rather him as a director of football, but this guy knows how to manage, right? And I think that yeah. makes him a great asset to United. And the pro of doing it this way is that he can go and implement the system that he thinks is best and then he can, can have a say players that can't do it yeah and then he can have a say about what manager comes in that he thinks can help train and implement that system that vision that he has as a director of football because he's yeah. been there and managed and then he can tell that said coach exactly what players fit and don't fit in his own experience in the eight months that he's been there as manager so I think it's smart um, the, cons, the cons of that is he does an unreal job and you don't find anyone better to do it Right, which I think there's a possibility. He comes in, he's unreal. Manny and I turn around and go, we can't find anybody in the next minute. Uh, do you want to just stick out as manager? Which I don't think he wants yeah. to do. Um, I think he really set on being the director of football and really, I, f- I feel like that's more Ragnick's niche that he comes in and grows the football club from behind the scenes um, than yeah. being the main man as the manager. Um, the other con of it is that these players may get used to Ragnick's style and like it. And then they come and get a different manager that plays a similar system. Um, but yeah. there's, subtle, there's subtle differences and that may impact how good players can play. It's, you know, no coach is ever the same. You know, me and Paul may want to play the same 4 2 3 one in the same pressing way, but I may go, I want to press right back and Paul may go, I want to play, press left back. And that difference is a difference, you know? So you're not going to have yeah. the same manager as Ragnick, but I like the way they go about it. I feel like the pros definitely outweigh the cons in having Ragnick as manager than director of football, then running just as a manager or Ragnick just as a director of football. Yeah, exactly. And I just think getting him ingrained with the club, you know, as early as possible, that's the key. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I see this, you know, going very, very well for United. And I didn't think they were too far away from getting it mostly right anyway. Obviously, there's been a bit of a, a backward step um, this season. But if they can get things clicking the right way, then don't be surprised if, you know, we see them chugging along quite nicely uh, next season and moving forward this season too. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that as well. And uh, lastly, Dim, if you're looking for cons in terms of him being a manager or director of football, the con is is that he's so good at the other job that the con would be if he's a director of football, the con is that he's not manager. And if he's a manager, the con is that he's not the director of football. He's a very class lad. There's a lot of guys that may not know who this guy is, but if you look him up on Football Manager, this guy has been around and done it. Yeah, and he's, you know, for those that don't know, he's the person that's, you know, being responsible for RB Leipzig's climb through the leagues, you know, and he was very, very successful with Schalke back in the day as well. So there's, you know, he's got pedigree, especially in Germany. Um, done some work with Salzburg, obviously, he was part of the uh, Red Bull family, and then also through Locomotive Moscow in Russia. So there's, it's an interesting array of experience, yeah. which I think is important. He, he um, was, because um, he's obviously... Yeah, I've got him up here, and he's, you know, he's been a Schalke as a coach. Um, won yeah. the German League Cup with Schalke. He's been with Hoffenheim as a coach. He then went and was Schalke again in 2011, and he went to Leipzig. And then um, from Leipzig, he's now here. And like, I think at Leipzig, he might have started as a coach and then went into a general director of football as well, from what I'm reading in his okay. bio. But yeah. I think he's... Uh, he, he, look, with someone that's that versatile... Secondly, being German, you know, is a massive plus because I feel like our Germans yeah. think about football is the future. Um, and just understanding how to work both roles as a 
positive in itself because he will know what the pressure and the understanding of what the manager wants to achieve while he's the director of football. And he can help implement and probably ease that pressure because he can probably on the training ground help and understand and convey that message across the players, which I think has been the massive problem at the United under Ollie's. The message has not got through. And I reckon in one game with Rangnick coming in and, you know, getting his message to Carrick and then Carrick getting a message to the team, you saw more of a clear game plan in one game against Chelsea than he yeah. did under Oli. So, yeah, I agree. Cool. Alrighty, we've got one more big one to go yep. from JS. And we kind of alluded to it before. Can we reorder the top 10 of the Ballon d'Or um, into our opinions? So, we want to start from the back and work our way forward. Um, well, I feel like for those that don't know the top 10, people will know that Messi won it. It was Messi, Lewandowski, Jorginho, Benzema, Kante, Ronaldo in 6th, Salah 7th, De Bruyne 8th, Mbappe 9th, and Donnarumma made the 10, which is always nice to see a goalkeeper get in there. Yeah. Now... I have no idea, first of all, how Salah's at 7. I am definitely going to say that that is probably one I would look to change, but I feel like we need to put in our locks here. And I feel like our locks is Messi wins it based on last season in Copper America. And oh, and I feel, I feel like Lewandowski, and I feel man. like Lewandowski then is a lock in second. I really do think the only talking point is Messi Lewand- wasn't that good for Barca though. Like it could be Lewandowski could know. win it, but I always thought Messi was going. to I've win got it. Lewandowski one. Like why? Like just why Messi? Like it's such it's such a writer's award. That's why I hate this stupid bullshit because it's so crap. I'm agreeing. Like with it's you. not based on form. It's such a popular. You know what it contest. is? It's based on the form at the back end of the year. So, like, Salah's been unreal this year and would be odds on to win Ballon d'Or right now for next season, right? Because of what he's done right now. And then I would... But why do team awards come into it? Yeah, but like then... Lewandowski was the best individual player over the last two years, not just one. It should have, but if Liverpool don't win anything, you know, at the end of this season, right, Salah's form dips right at the end of the year and say, for instance, uh, let's see another name of those, De Bruyne. City win the Premier League, do the double. De Bruyne scores a hat-trick in the Champions League. You know, in the last six games in the Premier League, that went down to the right, gets four assists. Even though Salah may have won Golden Boot and was the best player for seven months of the world, of the year... De Bruyne would win Ballon d'Or next season, right? Would be yeah. the example I would give. I think that's well, what's happened here. This. That's what I think that's what's happened here is that Messi's had a really unreal back end and international time and Lewandowski's yeah, he's been, done nothing. And then Lewandowski's he's been punished for what came from Poland, which I don't like. Yeah. The reason why I've locked Messi in one and Lewandowski two is like, do you keep, look, you can argue that we're right here because I want to give it a Lewandowski two, but... Knowing how this award works and the fact it's just solely based on like the last three months of football before everyone votes on yeah, it, it's Messi's ridiculous. Been and Messi's been horrid. Apparently, that shouldn't come into it. it. Should be based on next season's form, but everyone just remembers Cop America and no, the it's Euros. calendar year. So yeah. we're still in the calendar year. So I'm talking from August to now. It's four months. You know what, Paul? Four months of the year, and he was in a Barcelona team that would dog. Okay, a question to you: does, Leo, does Lionel Messi make your top six? Yes. Does he make the top five? That's a stretch. Yeah, no. See, I'm thinking, like, if we do it based on that, then Messi comes fifth. Yeah, I think that's sort of about the spot. No. Yeah, I don't have Jorginho in it. That's purely because the Euros. Euros and Champions League. Yeah, like, which I understand. Because of him. I understand. And he was good, but I don't understand how he comes third. Yeah, so Jorginho and Kante actually fall out of the top five for me and Salah and Messi are in it. Yeah. So, so I'm, I think Benzema stays where he is. I actually lock Benzema in at four. Okay, so Benzema, he doesn't move for so me. So Benzema's a lock at four. 
Lewandowski goes to yeah. one. Messi goes to five. So what do we need? We need a three and a two. Salah's at three. So Salah's at three. So if Salah goes to third for us. Oh, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. Oh, we need a two. Yeah, we need a two. So what? All right, Salah's at two for me then. Based on last season? And yeah, then man. obviously what he's he done. He carried us, man. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have got Champions League. Yeah. And that's how and that's how I want to weigh it up. Because he was in our team, he got us Champions League. Now I'm gonna make a very controversial pick here for number for number three. Who are you looking at? I'm looking at Donald Rummer because he's had a decent year at club level. He then got a good move to PSG and it's looked okay there. And then he had a, obviously was the best keeper in international qualifiers for the Euros Nationals League. And then obviously yeah, I like that. in the Euros was player a mess. Was player of the tournament. Player, yeah. The man in the match in the final. I know we're not talking about what the team achieved in Italy winning it, but player of the tournament, goalkeeper of the tournament. Of and was player and was player of the final. Plus, obviously, in the lead-up, Italy, what, didn't lose a game in the lead-up to the yeah. tournament as well. Kept clean sheets, and he played well at a club level. I feel like he, yeah. ba- based on all those factors, he comes third. Yeah, they I- got the wrong Italian. I reckon you actually just swapped Jorginho and Donnarumma for me. Uh, Jorginho honest. goes to 10th. I have no qualms with that. Saying that, though, I feel like yeah. if we're putting Jorginho 10th, then Kante goes 10th and Jorginho goes 9th, just for the fact that he did oh, win yeah. Euros. So let's put Kante yeah. at 10. Right, yeah, and it's not against a guy like Kanta. I love him, but he's had better but he years. He didn't play well under Lampard yeah. anyway. Yeah, and he has he's had better years. And I reckon Jorginho goes to ninth. Right, yeah. So I'm happy with that. At the minute, our list is Lewandowski first, Salah goes second, Donnarumma goes third, Benzema's locked in at four, Messi goes to fifth. We need to work out a six, seven, eight, Jorginho nine, and Kante goes ten. Players left over is Mbappe, De Bruyne, and Ronaldo. Mbappe eight. Mbappe eight. Away. Now, yeah, he was really disappointing. I don't think right. he should make the top 10 based on last season. Yeah, same. But he is in the but, 10. I don't know who else has come know. outside of the 10. Uh, there's players outside of the yeah. 10, you know. like No, I think Mbappe. Mbappe is mm, actually so Mbappe the, 9, Jorginho 8. So the guys coming from 11... Jorginho 8. Can I just I say, reckon. the guys that came 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 were Haaland at 11, Lukaku at 12, who had an unreal year last season. At Inter. At Inter. Yeah. Chiellini at 13. Uh, hasn't done anything this season, yeah. though. Chiellini at 30, Benucci at 14, Raheem Sterling came 15 nah. somehow. I don't think nah. any of them get in but Lukaku, if you want to give so it So if Lukaku, if Lukaku doesn't make the top 10, yep. how does Messi win it? Yeah, exactly. That's my that's my whole argument. Because Lukaku was better than Messi last season. If they're about the same right now, so you, you're telling me because Messi's country won the Copper America that he wins, that wins. Lukaku can be 13th and Messi can win. Yeah, it's because it. Belgium that's where didn't I don't do well. rate this award. Yeah, that's why I yeah, don't but, like it. But yeah, that you know, that's why I don't like this award because it's dumb. It's so stupid. Like it's meant to be an individual best player in the world award and it's not it's just a popularity contest I, I that's agree all with, it is I agree with you so what we're putting then um, Mbappe I reckon Mbappe 9 Jorginho 8 yep De Bruyne 7 Ronaldo 6 yeah Jorginho 8 De Bruyne goes to 7th any yeah, reason Ronaldo 6 like because De Bruyne was too injured yeah and then but he had a good year when he played yeah. And Ronaldo's sick because just the weight of numbers. you got to remember, Ronaldo did score goals last year. Yeah. I know he didn't have, like, yeah. the most, oh, my God, year. It's because Juve didn't win anything. But he did well. score goals, and he was the equal golden yeah. boot in the Euros. Because we, oh, we, didn't, we didn't have too many goal scorers in Euros. Nah, surely yeah, not. Yeah, but when I look... 
When I look, Messi, Benzema, Donnarumma, Salah, Lewandowski, he's not getting ahead of any of them. Uh, Maybe him and Messi. Him and Messi, really, for me, around the same level. And that's yeah, why nah. they're sixth and fifth. Yeah, no, nah. Ronaldo and Schick tied to Golden Boot at the thing. Yeah, cool. Yeah, anyway, I thought so. But um, so I think yeah. Ronaldo, because he had a good year at Juve and then did well, even though his team didn't do great at the Euros, gets yeah. gets sick for me. I'm happy with that. All right. So that list is Lewandowski wins it, which I don't think any of us can argue, right? Especially if we go down the yeah. path that it should be based on how you went personally, individually, not how your team went, which is how it should be, yeah. right? Um, second goes to Mo Salah because he carried Liverpool. Third goes to Donald Rummel because he had an unreal year and his team had an unreal year as well. Fourth stays Benzema because he's been dead solid and good this whole period. Yeah, yeah. Fifth goes to Messi, which understandable. Sixth goes to Ronaldo. Seventh to De Bruyne. Eighth now is Jorginho, who came top three. Ninth is Mbappe, which actually Mbappe stayed the same in our list. Yeah. And Carla and Kante went from fifth to tenth. Yeah. Is there anyone in world football that was not mentioned that you would put in your top ten based on last season? I mean, Haaland's at eleven then. Yeah. Like. I feel for him. Again, hindered by Norway not being in the Euros. Like, it's just dumb. Yeah. Like, scored for fun for Dortmund, scored for fun in the Champions League. But, you know, again, is is a product of no success at a team or international level. It's just not... Which is not fair. Yeah. Like, Kante's getting in there ahead of Haaland because Chelsea won the Champions League. Yeah. That's purely the only reason... Yeah. And you're talking about someone who came 11th to someone that came 5th over a team award. It just doesn't make sense I to me. Yes, Kante had a good back end of the season with when Tuchel came in, but Haaland's been consistently the same level. Yeah, I agree. I just feel like how they go about choosing the bubble yours is really weird. They should have a point system and should be like, you know, graded after, you know, say after each month, uh, you should be putting in, the referee should be putting the referee to one and put it towards a leaderboard. Could be a Brownlow. Yeah. Oh, could you imagine a Brownlow? Could you imagine a Brownlow count for the Ballon d'Or for a calendar year? It'd you be can't too really hard. Do it, though, It'd be too hard. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I, look, the panel that choose it should actually sit there and go, well, well, these are the players that are on our watch list, and how many votes are we giving at the end of the month than the month they've had instead of just going game by game. All right, Salah had you know last month he was the best player in the Premier League, so Salah gets ten votes, right? And then you'd go, okay, yeah. who else from the Premier League will get in the top three, right? And then you would say, oh, okay, last month, you know, Salah had 10. Um, who scored goals? Harry Kane scored goals, for instance, right? Okay, he gets nine votes because he, he was probably second best. And then all of a sudden, you probably look, oh, you know, and then Van Dijk only conceded one goal all the time, and, you know, chipped him with goals and was immense. So then he gets eight votes, right? And then they'll go through all the top flight leagues, right? all five in the top flight, you know, in Europe. And they'll go, yeah. all right, based on that, these three players got 10, eight, and nine votes. And then after every month, you know your tally and you know your score. So, you know, De Bruyne may start the year with no votes, and then in the last four months of the season, he goes 10 votes, 10 votes, 10 votes, 10 votes, 40 votes, and he might get in the yeah. third, right? And I feel like that's a better way to do it, because then based individually on the player than on them doing international. The only problem is, is then a player like Haaland who doesn't play for Norway at an international tournament doesn't get the votes that, say, yeah, you know, that Ronaldo or Messi or that would because they're at an international tournament. Yeah. That's the and then it ends up being, a, you know, your team carries you to an individual award. Look, end of the day, teams that win things, the players naturally are going to play better exactly. because they're winning. they're winning. So it makes it sense. It makes sense. But I feel like having a bit more structure, like we said, is like, yeah. And then what should happen is a player that wins the World Cup in that said year 
would have had a really good year domestically, then wins the World Cup, would win the Ballon d'Or. And I think that makes more sense than saying, you know, a guy that just, like Messi, that just had really good two months, just, you know, wins it. Yeah, but for me, like the difference is it's, I've got no issue with someone having a year where they play unreal for their club and then they go to an international tournament and win it and then they get credited with it. You know what I mean? Like I've got no issue if it's done that way. But the fact that Messi... The stats were not... They weren't amazing over Lewandowski. But I'm trying to look at performances. And Lewandowski's performances made a bigger impact on Bayern Munich than Messi's did on Barca and then this season PSG. I agree. So that's just how I look at it. And then, I don't know. It's just... I feel like the story tale was, you know, give it to... Give it a Messi one more time. He, everyone knows he's not going to win another one. They could justify it on the stats, but... Really should have been Lewandowski's. Know. Yeah. Fat, so. fat Messi comes out and says that he felt really sorry for Lewandowski kind of shows. Yeah, it, it shows, man. He knows it's a piss take. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, who in their acceptance speech comes out and says, I feel for the other guy yeah. at this level? He's been... When he's already got six of them. Yeah. Like, just give Lewandowski one. My only worry <laughs> is next year they're going to give Lewandowski one based on the last two years instead of what Salah's doing exactly, this year. Exactly, and it just keeps losing credibility. Because Sal- what Salah's done this year, he should be winning it hands down. He should be like a dollar one, right? And Unless he gets an injury. Yeah, like well, based on how it goes at the minute right now. But how the Ballon d'Or works is they're going to go, well, Lewandowski should have won maybe the last two. We're giving it to Messi. Lewandowski just wins it no matter what happens. Unless he gets injured. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, right? Who knows? So, uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't give Ballon d'Or much weight. I give it more weight in football manager than yeah. I do in real life. Because in football manager, it's based on like performance yeah. and results and whatever. Stats. And stats. Yeah. Where in real life, it's just, it's just pan-picked. Yeah, I'd agree with you. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, thank you once again, Dame. If you've got any uh, differing opinions on our top 10, get it in the Discord as well. Let us know how you would rate that top 10. Dame, thanks again. All good, mate. sign off for us? All good, mate. Um, Of course, if you want to let us know your opinions, the links to the Discord will be down below. If you are a new listener as well, getting in the Discord allows you to see all the amazing content me and Paul do. And I'm doing a massive youth challenge over in Germany with 1860 Munich, so trying to top a Bayern. And Paul has Pokemon, FIFA, Football Manager. Paul's just doing it all. He's just doing everything at the minute. So it's all well and good. Links are down below. Go give it a follow, the uh, the pod. Go give it a like, give it a rate, and then obviously go give us a follow or click on the link and uh, you know join the Discord. And I'll see you guys next week for more, well, probably Premier League talk, but guess what? Ashes yeah. probably next week. Well, Plenty of Premier League, cricket's around the corner, big bashes around the corner, it's all happening. But for episode 37 of the PD Sports Podcast, that's where we're going to leave it. Hopefully you've enjoyed, and we'll catch you next week for another episode. 